So we welcome you. This is promise number six in our series of the promises of God. Who can tell me how many promises in total there are in the Bible? There are how many thousand? Eight thousand. And how many promises has God made to you personally in the Bible? There are how many? 365, one for every day. We can't study all of those. <laughs> we wouldn't have the time. But we are studying what we're calling God's great and precious seven. And they all start with the letter P, okay? This morning, God promises us his peace. Now, I shared with you last Sunday a story about my life. You've all had different moments where maybe you've had a near-death experience. I've had many of those. But when I was 20 years old, uh, I was floating down. If you recall, I shared with you the story that Cole Canyon Spillway, and I showed you this picture. I'm not going to go through the whole story again, but how a friend of mine and I decided in the midst of a raging storm, got on an inner tube, and we were going to go down that. And, and literally, in the midst of that moment where we almost died, getting sucked under the water in that vortex that I described, uh, I cried out to God, and God miraculously delivered us. But what I didn't share with you when I told that story was what was taking place here in the depth of my being. And it was a supernatural peace in the midst of a moment that the last thing I should have been experiencing is peace. There is so much, it, the tranquility, the calm, the sense of peace was just overwhelming in the midst of that moment. Wow, that's amazing. You see, God promised, I was experiencing the promise of God's peace, even in that moment. Imagine if you could live your life in such a way that regardless of the circumstances, okay, you could experience peace in the depth of your being. I mean, just imagine if that is how you could live your life. Whatever circumstances, whatever's going on, there's this peace. Imagine being like Paul. Or imagine being like Silas. And here they are doing God's work, living their life for the Lord. And against the law, they're arrested. They're severely beaten publicly. And they're thrown into this dark, dingy dungeon. How would you be feeling? What would be going on in your life in that circumstance? And yet, this is how the Bible describes what is going on in their lives, Acts 16, 25, on your outlines. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's what I call claiming and experiencing the promise of God's peace, even in that sort of a situation. Some of you are in marriages right now. You're in situations at work. You've got something going on in your family. It's just pushing you to the limit your anxiety level. But to experience God's peace, is that available to me even in that situation? Yes, it certainly is. And we're going to talk about that this morning. See, this is not a series about believing the truth that God provides peace. This is a series about learning to claim the promise of God's peace and actually experience his peace 
regardless of the circumstance in your life. Wow. What might you be missing out on right now in your life, in your home, in your marriage, your family? Because maybe if you're really honest with yourself, you really yet have not learned to claim the promise of God's peace. Oh, you believe that there's a God of peace, but have you really learned to claim it? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's ask and answer some questions this morning about the promise of God's peace, and in the process, we're going to learn how to claim this great and precious promise. Here's the first question. Where is the promise of God's peace found? Well, it's found all over the Bible. But as with all the messages in this series, I want to have you memorize one key promise on this promise, and it's found in John chapter 14, 27. And Jesus said these words. It's there in your outline. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. That is an amazing promise, but look at it a little bit more closely. I want to point out a few things here. Notice who the giver of peace is. Who's speaking this promise? Jesus. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And notice who Jesus wants to give his peace to. It's you. He says, my peace I give to you. That's you, his disciple. So just practical question. In your life right now, where do you most need to experience the peace of God? I mean, is it? Something with your family, a relationship, your finances, your health, work, a some search situation, some, what is it? Where do you most need to experience peace right now? Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Notice that peace is a gift. Did you see that? I give to you. It's a gift. And notice Jesus gives the gift of peace. You see what he says? Not like the world gives. You see that? I do not give to you as the world gives. So you've got to think a little bit. Think a little bit about how the world gives. The world gives sparingly. The world likes to give the minimum. The world gives inconsistently. It's not very consistent. Not very dependable. The world gives disingenuously. Sometimes what the world gives is not what it's supposed to be. I mean, you get something that it's not meant to be. Like, have you ever ordered something, you know, online? And then it comes, and it's not quite what, you know, it, you thought it would be. Well, that's how the world gives. But notice Jesus says, ah, we're going to learn about how he gives tonight, today. My peace, not as the world gives. And notice the twofold blessing that comes from receiving Jesus' peace. He says at the end, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In other words, my peace will take away that troubled heart. My peace will uh, take away that fearful heart. Is there trouble going on in your life? Is there fear? That's a symptom of a lack of peace. And Jesus says, my peace I want to give to you. This is my promise. It's an amazing promise. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Well, if that's where the peace of God is found, well, what does it mean? What does the promise of God's peace mean, really, practically? 
There's a number of ways to say it. Let me just say it in three ways. It means this. God wants you to experience relaxation in his comfort. When's the last time you've just relaxed in the comfort of God? I mean, really, in your soul. God wants you to find rest in his tranquility. When's the last time you've really had that where you didn't need to turn to the booze? You didn't need to turn to the pills to be able to sleep at night. You didn't need the drugs. When's the last time God wants you to unwind in his calm? Just unwind and be in his calm in the midst of everything that's going on. You know, the word peace in the Greek is irene. That's how you say it, peace. Shalom in the, in, in the Hebrew, but in the Greek, irene. And it's used 92 times in the New Testament, and it literally means tranquility, calm, comfort. It's used in Luke 24, 36, where Jesus himself stood among them and he said, peace, irene, be with you. And then Jesus said, he said to them, why are you troubled? And I just wonder if Jesus might be asking that question to someone here this morning. Why are you so troubled? I promise you my peace. Why, why are you so troubled? Could it be we still haven't yet learned to really claim that promise and begin experiencing the benefit associated to when we do claim the promise of God's peace? Look at Psalm twenty nine eleven. The Lord blesses his people with peace. When's the last time you've been blessed with peace in your family? in your situation. Look at Psalm 85, 8. He promises peace to his people. Wow. 1 Peter 1, 3. Peace be yours in abundance. When's the last time you've had abundant peace? This is all God's promise. Now, God promises, but we don't always experience the promises of God because we haven't learned to claim that promise. It's one thing to believe a truth. To believe the truth the teaching, the doctrine of, of the irony or shalom that God provides. It's a completely different thing to be a Christian who knows to, how to access, how to claim the promise of irony or shalom and then begin to experience that deep within your heart. Completely two different Christians. One Christian knows stuff up here. The other Christian experiences it down here. Completely different. Completely different. This is not about teaching you the promise of God's peace. It's about teaching you how to experience and claim the promise of God's peace in your heart. We're going to get to that. But first, I want you to, if you wouldn't mind, be honest at your table right now. If you can, if it's too much, I understand, because sometimes life is overwhelming. But I'd like you, because these are people that love you, or if you're watching this on video at your small group, Drop down their guard, and would you share this? Right now, where do you most need to experience the peace of God? I want you to confess that because you're going to find as we go through this message and as you apply God's truths, healing and peace is going to come to your life. But I want you to share, if you would, for a moment on that question right now. Go for it. Okay. Let's look at this next question. This is the heart of the morning. Question is this, how can I learn 
to claim the promise of God's peace. I mean, that's really it. How can I learn to do this? And by the way, claiming a promise is something you need to learn. That's what the Bible teaches. So there are five ways. So hold up your hand right now. Give someone a high five right now. Just a little high five. You're going to learn five ways. Light on your hand. You can remember these things. To claim the promise of God's peace. So if you're in a situation, you're all stressed out or whatever, give someone a high five. <laughs> give your boss a high five and then just start claiming these truths, okay? Well, maybe you don't want to do that. I don't know, okay? Here's the first thing you need to do. This is what the Bible teaches. Number one, you want to claim the promise of God's peace, you've got to claim Jesus as your source of peace. Notice I said the word your. That means personal. You've got to do this. So let me ask you a question. Who or what is your current source of peace? I mean, be honest. Who or what? Where are you looking for peace? That's another way of saying it. See, here in Romans 13, 17, says the way of peace they do not know. Do you know people like that? The way of peace, they just don't know. Do you know someone? They just can't find the way to peace. Our world is full of people, and watch this, sometimes even Christians. They've lost their way to peace. They don't realize it's Jesus. And they're looking everywhere but Jesus for that peace. And it's easy to get sidetracked. A lot, of, a lot of people try to make things or people other than Jesus their source of peace, and guess what? It never works, but we still try, don't we? We try to, oh, if I just get that relationship, if I can just get that relationship, then I'm going to find peace. If I just land that job, if I make X amount of money, if I get that house, if I get that car, if I just, then I'm going to find peace. No. Because that is not the source of peace. Oh, if I just have that experience, if I travel to that location, if I can get away from my work and have two weeks, you know, wherever, then I'm going to, no, sorry. If I can just get to my TV, if I can just escape in music, if I can get to the internet, if I can, you fill in the blank. Last night, typically, I'm studying and preparing for preaching every Saturday. I typically don't go out Saturday nights, but Boston was playing last night. So the boys and I, here we are. They're playing with the Doobie Brothers. So we're over here at the, what, Shoreline Theater, thousands of people. And you need to know, Boston was my favorite band before I knew the Lord, but a lot of memories. And I thought, how cool, you know, just to go there. And so I'm in this massive, you know, auditorium with the boys hanging out, and the Doobie Brothers show up, and I'm seeing people everywhere are trying to find peace, and you could just see people, they are lacking peace, and then all of a sudden, with the Doobie Brothers came all the doobies, and they're trying to, I, and I just am looking at this, I'm like, wow, this is how non-Christians worship because we're created for God, we're created to worship, but they're worshiping the wrong source. And they can't even go to a concert and enjoy great music. So they've got to change their body and their mind and pour, pump into their heart drugs because they are so lacking peace. 
and they're thinking this is going to somehow be the way to peace. And it, it's everywhere you see in our world where people are turning to false sources and they're just peaceless. Wow. But Boston rocked the house. I need to let you know that. <laughs> Were any of you there in that concert? Oh, I love it. You home builders, you guys are crazy. I love it. You guys are great. Wow. You know, uh, look what the Bible says here, Romans 5.1. Do you know what the Bible says about who the source of peace is? I'm sure you do. And where peace begins, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. You see, watch this. Before you can experience the peace of God, you must experience peace with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? The Bible teaches we are at war with God because of our sin. Jesus went to the cross, and when we put faith in him, all of a sudden, there is peace between us and God, which then makes available to us the peace of God, the experience of peace. First of all, you've got to make peace with God, brother, sister. For me, that was Jan, uh, July 27, 1981. Didn't happen at a Boston concert. It happened all alone in my room by myself where I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him, and the peace of God flooded my heart in a way that I've never, it was unbelievable. Peace was made with God, and then all of a sudden I experienced the peace of God. Jesus must be your source of peace if you're ever going to experience the peace of God. Look, the Bible says all over, uh, 1 Peter 5, 14, peace to all who are in Christ. Ephesians 2, 14, for he himself is our peace. John 14, 27, my peace I give to you. 1 Corinthians 1, 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where peace comes from. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will give you peace. So the question is this, are you coming to Jesus for his peace? Or are you looking for peace elsewhere? Only you can answer that question. But the way we're taught in the Bible to claim the promise of God's peace, you gotta claim Jesus. He must be the person you're looking for to be the source of your peace. Now, you've seen the statement before, right? No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. The way the word no determines it all. Who is your source of peace? Claim the promise of God's peace? You must claim Jesus as your source of peace. Let's go to the second way to claim the promise of God's peace. Claim prayer as your pathway to peace. So let me ask you a question. Do you tend to be a person who worries about everything? Or do you tend to be a person who prays about everything? I mean, it's a simple question. But you have to be honest with yourself. As, as, as you experience life with all its ups and downs, you know, and every, all of its turns and things that hit you sideways and everything, do you pray about everything or do you tend to worry about everything? Do you worry about your kids or do you pray about your kids? Do you worry about your finances or do you pray about your finances? Do you worry about your health or do you pray about your health? 
Do you worry about the future or do you pray about the future? It's a simple question. But you see, if you want to learn to claim the promise of God's peace and live with peace in your life, like people look at you at work and go, who are you? You will be that who are you person if you learn to claim Jesus as your source of peace and you're constantly in prayer rather than in worry and frustration. What does the Bible say? Turn your Bibles to Philippians 4, 6 and 7. This is an amazing scripture. I wanted you to see it in your own Bible. Someone needs peace back there, huh? Get it out. Get it out, brother. Get it out, sister. All right. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Look at this. If you've never seen this before, this will blow your mind. Look at God's word says. Do not be anxious about anything. Wow. What does that say? Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer, in everything you should prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then what happens? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, that's your emotions and your minds, your intellect in Christ. Wow. That is an amazing promise. Bible says, pray equals peace. Prayerlessness equals no peace. That's what the promise is. And what's amazing to me about this promise and really even here about this scripture in Philippians 4, is that Paul is writing this book, the entire book of Philippians, in prison. And the theme, the theme for the whole book of Philippians is joy. You see, peace and joy are really two sides of the same coin. Think about it. Try to have peace without joy. Try to have joy without peace. They go together. And here's Paul in the midst of this circumstance in jail, and yet he's writing about joy and peace. What's the key to peace and joy? Well, you go back to Philippians 1 and verse 3 where Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why did Paul have so much joy and peace? Because Paul claimed prayer as his pathway to joy and peace. How do we claim the promise of God's peace? Claim prayer as your pathway to get there. If your pathway in dealing with all the issues of life is worry and anxiety and frustration and throwing up your hands and having a tantrum and running to this, that, and the other, and it's not peace, you're not, as a Christian, claiming the promise of God's peace. We know the song, don't we? We know the song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Some of you right now, I can just see it. You're just going, Mark, this is just so simple. Yeah, but guess what? You're not living it out. And your kids are praying for a mom who will rather than yell, pray. Your kids are praying for a dad who rather than whatever will pray and have peace in his heart or her hearts. People at your work are praying. Maybe they're not even praying. They're wishing that you would be a person of peace. And the way, only way you're going to get there 
is if you leave your anger behind and start praying and replacing whatever it is that's keeping you from peace with prayer. Prayer, prayer. It's that simple and that profound. And, and we can so easily just gloss over it, this point right here. But this is what the Bible teaches, how you claim the promise of God's peace. Third way to claim the promise of God's peace, claim trust in God as your means to peace. Trust in God. Let, let's talk about that. As you go through life, again, with all of its ups and downs, its highs and lows, who are you trusting to help you experience peace? So, I mean, think about this. You have three choices. You can trust you, you can trust others, or you can trust God when you are not at peace. Biblical peace is not a matter of peaceful circumstances. It's a matter of who you will choose to trust in the midst of whatever circumstances. See, Jesus said in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So, see, the answer to a troubled heart is trust in Jesus. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust someone else. Trust Jesus to help you find peace, and he will. And guess what? As a Christian, you, there will be times your heart will be troubled. I mean, life just comes at us sideways. And there's going to some of us have a troubled heart right now. Maybe not. Well, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Some of us are really struggling right now, and our heart is incredibly overwhelmed and troubled, or maybe we're masking it really good. What do you do with a troubled heart? You trust Jesus, and he gives us peace. So where are you going what are you going to do with that troubled heart? Let's say your troubled heart is with, uh, I don't know, your family, something with your marriage, something with a lack of marriage. You're single and you're just like, when is, you know, and all this, issues, finances. So you have to make a choice. You got a troubled heart. So who are you going to trust with that troubled heart? You've been doing it one way for a long time, and guess what? It hasn't worked because you're still lacking peace. So maybe there needs to be a shift with who you're going to trust because you're trusting yourself too much or maybe you're looking to a spouse or someone else or your kids for peace. But are you really trusting God is my question to you. Now watch this. There are some things God can't do. God can't sin, for example. And watch this also. God, God, can't take your troubled heart from you because he's created you with free will unless you're willing to give him your troubled heart and exchange from that troubled heart will come his peace. See how it works? You've got to give to God your troubled heart. That's called trusting God. And then there's this amazing exchange takes place. God takes your trouble and he gives you his peace. But if you hold on to that trouble, you will never experience the peace because God's saying, I want to give you my peace. It's a gift. Give me your trouble. Let there be this beautiful, miraculous, supernatural exchange. 
but you gotta trust me with that trouble. You gotta trust me with that marriage. You gotta trust me with whatever. And then the exchange happens. Giving God your troubled heart is called trust. If you do this, God will take your troubled heart and replace it with his peace. This is all through the Bible. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up, give you his peace. He wants to lift you up with his peace. So many times in my life I've gone, I'll be honest with you, without God's peace because sometimes my pride gets in the way. I should be, I'm a man, I can handle this. Try to tighten up. And I'm unwilling to just humble myself and give to the Lord and trust him with something. And therefore, I go without his peace. But then there are other times, beloved, I do humble myself. And I trust the Lord however shaky I am. And I, here you are, Jesus. Take it. And then peace. (laughs) It's amazing. This is what the Bible says. Wow. God promises his peace, but his peace comes to those who are willing to trust him. Hmm. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Perfect peace comes to the person who trusts in the Lord. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. As we trust in the Lord, God fills us with his peace. That's how we claim the promise of God's peace. I heard one person say this. You can't kill fear instantly. You can only starve it to death with faith, with trusting the Lord. How do we claim the promise of God's peace? We must claim trust in God as our means to peace. And I just come back to that spillway moment with me in the midst of literally seeing my life taken before my very eyes. Lord, save me. I'm trusting you in the peace of God just flooding my soul in that second as I'm stuck there being held down by the water, inner tubes still stuck in the vortex of all that water. And somehow we get washed out and I wake up, boom, standing. What happened? Peace, peace. Mm. Let me give you a fourth way to claim the promise of God's peace. It's this, claim the Bible as your book to peace. Now, here's a question. How often do you just, be honest, how often do you read the Bible? Well, I just have to teach you what the Bible teaches. That's the degree, really, you're going to experience peace. You plus the Bible equals peace. You minus the Bible equals a lack of peace. I'm not saying that. That's what God says. And my job is to just tell you what God says on how to claim the promise of his peace. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. These things. You know what the these things are that he's referring to in John 16, 33? Really, it's John 13 to 17. Those chapters are the these things that Jesus told on the night prior to his execution on Good Friday. On Thursday, he spends the whole night with his disciples, and he teaches them John 13 to 17. So my challenge to you would be this. If right now you're struggling with a lack of peace, 
Go home today and read John 13 to 17, those chapters, because that is what Jesus himself says. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. Look at Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they who love your law. This is the law, the word of God. Isaiah 48, 18. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. Wow. I think we've experienced the opposite of that, and I have many times, where I haven't paid attention to God's commands, and all of a sudden the peace is gone. You ever had that experience driving down the highway, not paying attention to the speed limit? All of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror, and there's that red light. Peace is just taken from you. I didn't pay attention to the command. I'm speeding, you know, or whatever. But the Bible says when we pay attention to God, the peace of God. Wow. Look at 2 Peter 1, 2. Peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The Bible, the knowledge of God's word. I, and i just be honest with you, man. There's times in my life I'm all tied up. I can get tied up just like you, anxious. And I'll just grab my Bible in my quiet time and I'll just start reading scripture and the peace of God just flooding my heart. It's supernatural. That's how you claim the promise of God's peace. Sometimes people call me up. They are just wiped out emotionally. They're so anxious. I just say, get the Bible and do nothing but read the word of God and allow the peace of God to flood your heart. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is? For you, it's that you have peace. The way you get to that peace is your mind must be transformed. The way the mind is transformed is by reading the word of God. How do we claim the promise of God's peace? Claim the Bible as your book to peace. Let me give you the fifth way. To claim the promise of God's peace, and it's this. Claim peace with others as your road to peace. Now, I need, I need to be honest with you. I, um, I, I wanted to skip point number five. I just did. I mean, I had this little dialogue with God. I said, Lord, I really like this message up to this point. <laughs> Do I really have to address this area? on, you know, others and, and, and the Lord, he just said, Mark, you are called not to preach your word. You're called to preach my word. And so therefore, preach the fullness of my word on the promise of God's peace. And I said, okay, Lord, you always win those arguments. And so I'm giving you, so this is, here's the deal. God promises us his peace, but this is the deal. We can sabotage the transaction, the experience, the gift of peace, if we fail, watch this, to treat other people appropriately, biblically, the way that Jesus treats us and other people. So let me explain. Here's the challenge. People can be hard. I mean, people can be difficult. They can be nasty. They can be cantankerous. They can be wicked. People can be abusive. Are you following me? And if we're not careful, we can let other people rob us of the peace that God wants to give us. You see, if there were no people, all of us would have awesome peace, right? <laughs> really. 
So, and let's take it a step further. If there wasn't that certain person in your life, you would have greater peace, right? Right? So what are you going to do about that certain person or persons? Are you going to keep on letting them rob you of the peace that God wants to give you? This is a hurdle we need to overcome and learn how to claim the promise of God's peace. Now watch this. You are not responsible for the way other people treat you. You are only responsible for the way you treat other people. And watch this. Furthermore, you can't change the way other people treat you. But you can change and you must change the way you treat other people if you want to claim and experience the promise of God's peace. Wow. You see, the Bible has so much to say about how our personal lack of peace, okay, right here, can stem from our habits and patterns of how we don't have peace with others because of the way we are treating them. So I want you to listen to these scriptures. Isaiah 48, 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. In other words, if you treat people in a wicked way, no peace. Psalm 34, 14. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You gotta do good. You gotta turn from evil ways of dealing with people and do good to them, and that's how you seek peace and experience it. Proverbs 12, 20. There is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. If you want to get on a pathway of joy and peace in your heart, you've got to promote it by planting the seeds of peace. Look at Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Wow. Look at Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So here's the question. Are you doing that? Are you making every effort? You are not responsible, watch this, for their efforts. You are only responsible for your effort in the relationship to make peace. Look at Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. It doesn't say some men. We wish it did but it says all men. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Live in peace and the God of peace will be with you. How do we claim the promise of God's peace? Claim peace with others as far as it depends on you as your road to peace. Now, I think about this because it's never perfect in this life. The apostle Paul, you think about his life and a lot of people dislike Paul. But Paul didn't let that affect his experience of peace with God. Why? Because as far as Paul was able, he attempted to make peace with others. And then he just trusted God to work out the details, to work in their hearts. Paul did everything he could in his own heart to make peace. And then he just trusted God for God to do the rest. And he experienced peace with God because his conscience was clear. That's how you live. That's the way to peace. Wow. How do we claim the promise of God's peace? Five ways. Claim Jesus as your source of peace. No peace, no Jesus. If you know Jesus, you will know peace. Claim prayer as your pathway to peace. Don't worry, pray. Claim trust in God as your means to peace. Don't look to you, to others. Look to God. Trust him. Give him your burdens. Peace will come. Claim the Bible as your book to peace. 
Don't get all fixated on those things and think about those things. Think about this thing. Peace will come. Read John 13 to 17. Guarantee peace will come. Claim peace to others as your road to peace. As far as it depends on you, make every effort to make peace with a clear conscience. God will flood your heart with his peace. All right, let's talk about these five things we talked about. At your tables, of the five ways to claim the promise of God's peace, which one do you most need to embrace right now? Talk about that. Go for it. Okay, look if you would at the final question on your outlines. It's an important one. What is the primary benefit given to the person who claims the promise of God's peace? In other words, if you become a Christian that learns to kind of begin to process these five things and live in your relationship with God with these five things, what is the benefit that will come to your life as you learn to claim the promise of God's peace? In one word, calm, calm, tranquility is gonna just begin emerging in your life, calm. A few weeks ago, uh, Wayne Feigley, good buddy of mine, we went golfing on an early Saturday morning. And uh, after the first hole, we met a couple guys. They're our age that we got paired up with. And uh, after the first hole, unusually, this usually doesn't happen, the guy just said, uh, so Mark, what do you do for a living? So I, I, I said, you know, that's a great question. I work uh, for actually the largest company in the world. I said, we, we have branches in every continent every country on the planet. I go, our boss is absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I said, the benefits are unbelievably staggering. And I just let it hang there, and he just kind of looked at me, and I just, and I got Mark our cart, and we drove off to the second hole, and Wayne's like, Mark, what's going on? I go, well, I've learned over the years that if I tell guys what I do the first hole, it really ruins the whole round for them. <laughs> and we've got like 18 holes, 17 more to go. So I just kind of left it there. And the guy didn't seem, I thought he was maybe disinterested. I didn't know. So as sometimes is the case, as we're continuing in the round, this guy is just a major hack. And I mean, not only a hack, but he is swearing like a drunken sailor on every swing, I mean, just like really bad. And I'm like telling Wayne, I'm like, man, this is gonna be really bad come the 18th hole when I do tell him what I do. Because I always do that. I like to kind of rub it in guys, you know? And you know, in a loving way. Um, so anyway, come the 18th hole, I, I hit my drive and, uh, and, and this guy comes next to me. He looks right at me and he goes, it's killing me, Mark. And I go, what? I gotta know. I go, you gotta know what? What's the biggest company in the world? You got branches everywhere. The benefits are great. It's been killing me the whole round. And I'm like, are you? I go, well, let me give you one more bit of thought. One more question. I go, um, some people say I only work one day a week. And he's like, you're a sports announcer. <laughs> and I go, no. I go, I go, one day a week on Sunday. And he goes, you're a preacher. And then it was hilarious. 
he follows it up with, why the blankety blank didn't you tell me that in the beginning? It didn't change this guy's language at all, man. The dude just kept swearing. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So anyway, we finished the round. We get, you know, into the parking lot and we built, seriously, we had a great time. Really a, a neat friendship arose there. And then I just passed to him. I, I just take, as I have in my golf bag, you would not believe the ministry I have on the golf course. It's incredible. Guys that I've had the privilege of leading to Christ on the course, it's really special. But I, I have always, always keep these. So I passed him and his buddy a little track called Steps to Peace with God. And I'll never forget, he looked at that, and he looked up at Wayne, and I, he goes, man, I can tell you guys have this. And I said, you know, God's peace is available for all of us, including you. And he goes, man, he goes, I'm going to read this. And isn't that the truth? God's peace is available. It is a promise. And some of us are kind of not living with the fullness of what that really means in our lives. God wants to pour the amazing blessing of his calm into your soul, but that doesn't happen by osmosis. It happens by training yourself to claim the promise of God's peace in these five ways. There's no shortcut. God can transform your life into a calm person, but there's no shortcut. It's these five things, learning to bring them into your soul. John Stumbo, in his book, and I've asked the bookstore actually to order this. It's a fascinating book. I don't have time to tell you the whole backdrop to it, but this is a guy who's the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance right now. We're going to get him to speak, I think, in 2016 at our church. He's He's way out there when he can even, he's in such high demand. Maybe 2015, I don't know, we're working on it. But uh, he literally, a guy that's in fit, in shape, and, and he lost his ability to swallow. You think about that. How do you eat? How do you drink? And he's laid out, uh, almost died. And it was a mystery and this is, though, what he says about peace. It's one of the most beautiful descriptions of peace I've ever read, and I want you to think about it. He says this, and so it was. As I lay motionless in the hospital bed in intensive care, my body precariously hanging between life and death with tubes and wires protruding from almost a dozen places as doctors took every precaution they knew to sustain my life and as thousands of people, many with great sadness and concern, interceded on my behalf, the sole memory I have is of a sensational peace. I'm not talking about a contented feeling of satisfaction that you might have after a good day of restful vacation at the sea. I'm talking about something that feels like it just might resemble heaven. I'm talking about an experience so rich that for a year afterward, I cried every time I spoke of it. I'm talking about a feeling so moving that I know I was changed just by virtue of having experienced it just once. I'm claiming that there is a peace awaiting us that is richer, fuller, sweeter, deeper, wider, more beautiful and satisfying than I ever thought possible. I'm trying to describe an emotion so fulfilling that thinking back on it makes me feel lonely, not the loneliness of being alone or isolated, but the loneliness of finally making it home and then not being able to stay. 
People have asked me, did you see heaven? My answer is no, but I believe I felt it. That's the promise of peace. And let me tell you, if God can bring it to John Stumbo, God can bring it to you. He can bring it to you. But it's not going to happen your way. It's going to happen God's way. As you claim his promise the way he's taught us to do so. Let's pray.